John 3, 16 is our heart. That's one of the first verses that many of us ever learned. It is at the core of who we are, and it is expressed with such deep and profound hope and feeling. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not die, but have eternal life. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon us and to fill us as we look at this passage, which has been described as the gospel in miniature. We thank you, dear Lord, for your word. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Before we actually get to John 3.16, we encounter Nicodemus, and he allows us insight on how entrenched thought patterns keep people from believing, receiving, and being open not just to the Spirit, but to life itself. Nicodemus was important, as was anyone who was a Pharisee, and he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, and he was secretive, and he couldn't, and he didn't want to know the whole truth, and that is our condition. People who think we want the truth and have access to part of the truth, but there's actually no way, except from the vantage point of eternity, that we will ever know the whole truth. And as soon as we realize that, we are on the threshold of the kind of humility that allows us to surrender to God, that allows eternal life to happen. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And that is such an important element in the account because darkness represented and symbolized untruth, ignorance, danger. We never know what lurks in the shadows. And I don't know if we can actually say that Nicodemus preferred darkness to light, but some people do. And we can't negate the significance of his coming to Jesus by night. And he addressed Jesus and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Later on, Jesus says, all kinds of unbelievers can perform miraculous signs. And Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. Jesus is the truth. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The way we phrase those two words, born again, is kind of important. Because we all hear of people who call themselves born again. And we are a church who believes in being born again as part of our Reformed tradition. But it's not born again. We are people who have another life born again. And Christ, the kingdom of God, is spiritual. It's God's society. It's God's plan fulfilled. And Nicodemus became quite literal and logical and says, how can a man be born if he is old? 
Surely he cannot enter into his mother's womb a second time. Sarcasm is but a breath away for Nicodemus. And snarky is not a biblical term, but it might be applicable to Nicodemus. He was sideways in his comments, and he was kind of tricky. And Jesus answered in truth, because Jesus could not, would not be indirect. There were no shadows with Christ. I tell you the truth, he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. It is the life-giving invitation to be born again. And it's the invitation for everyone who believes that there's got to be something more. There is something beyond this life, something more real than what we can observe with our senses, something more powerful than human effort. There must be more. And if you know that, count yourself as blessed because the Spirit is working within you. You know that there must be something more. But everybody Every honest person knows that the world is broken and that the world is in pain. And if we denied that, we would not be in truth. We are in deep trouble if we deny the painful circumstances of life and cannot lament. Every emotion is God-given and every emotion is necessary. And there is one route to joy. And I'm telling you the truth now to let the pain express itself or it will be with you forever. You've heard me say a million times, you've got to go through the middle of the pain. Well, that's psychology 101. If you push the pain away and if you put it under the carpet and if you ignore it, it will be with you forever. Go right through the middle of the pain. The reason that this is such an important concept is that that is exactly the work of the cross. It's what he did to make our joy complete. One of the most treasured affirmations that I have ever received is about a friendship where we freely acknowledged the dreadful. A dear friend in California was raised as a Christian scientist and believed that you could, through positive thinking and intelligence, control negative impacts of life and that you could control illness, and that we could control evil, and we could control discord through human effort. And then she became a believer in Christ and told me that our friendship showed her that real joy was in Christ. And I was astounded because I so often complained (laughs) when I was around her and we shared distress and we shared disappointment and we lamented together. And I pointed this out and I said, really? My, your friendship with me shows you Christ. And she says, because it always, sometimes it takes a long time, but it always eventually ends with joy. That is the direction it goes. Well, it hurts to acknowledge truth, but it is completely necessary 
Conviction followed by confession is the true path to conversion. Conviction, knowing that we're flawed. Confession, expressing our need, is the true path to conversion. And Christ says you must be born again to see God's kingdom. And he, through grace, offers this rebirth. He invites us to rebirth through an extraordinarily simple act, which is belief in him. And it is the most completely honest human act that we will ever say or do or acknowledge in our life. To say to Christ, I believe, is of more consequence and has deeper impact than any other interaction we will ever have. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless born of the water and the spirit that no one can see. Flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit, this passage continues. And spiritual reality is the eternal reality. And if we are aware of this, we are already in touch with his spirit. And Jesus says, no matter what miraculous things occur in Christ's name, People will not believe if they do not want to believe. But for those who are willing, belief is a simple, elegant, beautiful reality. Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the desert, remember the Israelites were wandering around and they were dying? And Moses lifted up a snake in the desert and they lived? Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert... So the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone, everyone who believes in him must have eternal life. And eternal life begins the moment we believe in him. It is not later. It is now. Believing in him is not about theological accuracy or understanding how his claims and his promises could possibly be believing in him is faith that he is the savior eternal life contains that kernel of hope that exists now and grows in the spirit until we actually inhabit our spiritual bodies eternal life now allows us to face the truth today because it gives us a foretaste of what is to come. It was July, and I was visiting my family on Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And somebody came off the golf course, and he had a perfect, pristine, waxy-looking red maple leaf. And we said, where did you get that? And he said, I found it on the golf course and it is a foretaste and we all said oh a foretaste of beautiful New England foliage when the leaves turn and he said no this is the promise of what is to come God gives us inklings of eternity all the time and it is breathtaking for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. We cannot do what God does. We cannot love in his limitless way. God is the only one who can inject love in any and every situation. And we are expected to try as a sign of rebirth to love. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave us his beloved that whoever believes in him will never die but have eternal love, life. And this is not a false promise. But as compelling and hopeful, this John 3, 16 verse is, the next verse is what sets us free. For God did not send his son to condemn the world. That's the lie. The lie that for God's purpose is to set us straight and withhold love until we get it right. That lie is shattered by his statement. Jesus not, did not come to condemn, but to save. Jesus came to give us the truth. Let us pray. Give as much, as much truth as we can handle, Lord. And we know that in order to receive your truth, we have to get ourselves out of the way. Help us to be the place where your truth reigns. We thank you. And we praise your holy name for what Jesus has done. Amen.